You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Kids Health is brought to you by 136, National Home Doctor Service. 136 is Australia's largest network of home visiting doctors, so if you need urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 136. How much do you trust the doctor you see? If you're like me, you probably trust them implicitly. But should you take their opinion to be the be-all and end-all? What is the role of second opinions? And of course, second opinions don't have to be only about your GP. It can also be about seeing a specialist about something. Whenever I have questions like these, I turn to Sarah Hunstead. Sarah runs CPR Kids. She has over 14 years of experience as a paediatric nurse in an emergency department. And now at CPR Kids, this is where she's teaching parents to apply effective first aid in the home or when they don't have someone like Sarah around. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I was just thinking, you'd be an awesome friend to have at a barbecue if something goes wrong. Oh, yes. Yes, that is right. Yep, no, absolutely. Because it is always there when something goes wrong, you can guarantee that somebody will be calling out mine or my husband's name because he's a nurse too. Oh, there you go. All right, look, talking about second opinions, when should we be seeking a second opinion? Well, it's, it's quite interesting because... Sometimes it can be you seeking out the second opinion and sometimes it can also be your doctor recommending a second opinion as well. But I think what it boils down to is that you need to trust your gut. More than anything, you know your child. If your doctor perhaps has, uh, or maybe it will be a doctor that you're not normally seeing, perhaps, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of different scenarios out there. But at the end of the day, if your gut says that something is not right and you're not happy or just not 100% convinced with what the doctor is saying to you, then it is entirely within your rights to go and seek a second opinion. How do you go about doing that? So let's just, let's just say you've either been recommended someone and they've given this first opinion or it's someone that you go to regularly how do you find someone else that's appropriate for a second opinion? Often it can be speaking to the doctor who you're seeing at the time, which sounds... Awkward. You know, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, yes, thank you very much for that, but uh, I would rather see somebody else about this. No, um, what it is is that they, particularly if it's your GP, They've got your whole medical or your child's whole medical history. They may have test results. They may have scan results. They've got all the pieces of the puzzle there put together. And so what you may need to do is, you know, you approach it with tact, of course, saying, thank you so much. You know, I value your opinion. However, what I really would like to do is just get somebody else's opinion on this. I want to make sure that I'm confident with all of my options for my child. And, you know, of course, you may end up going straight back to the doctor you've seen, but being able to articulate that it's not that you don't trust them. It's just that you want to know all the options that are open for your child, because that's what we do as parents. We want to do what's best for them. So being honest, you may need a referral to go and see a particular specialist. So you may do a bit of research yourself by asking other people, or perhaps you know also asking your GP if that's who you're seeing. I'd like a referral to this kind of specialist. Who do you recommend? Uh, certainly that's important. And 
what they can do then is give all of the medical history and test results for you to take to this new doctor. Because if you don't, your child may end up being subjected to the same tests over and over again. And that's not something that we want to do. I like the way you put that. What options, what other options are there instead of doubting what they've said to you? So do you have an example of where yourself or someone you know has asked for a second opinion and how that kind of played out? Yes, absolutely. So um, I I can think of lots of examples of that, particularly when in the middle of something, in the middle of an illness, in the middle of when things you're sleep deprived, your child is in pain and they are miserable or, you know, at the height of an illness, nerves can be frayed. You may feel like you want your child fixed straight away, which as a parent, that is exactly what we want. And sometimes it's not that easy. And certainly I can think of times in the emergency department where we've had people turn up in the middle of the night who are beside themselves with anxiety because their child isn't better yet. And they'll say, we saw our GP today. They said that our child's got a viral infection. There's nothing that they can do, but I'm still really worried now. That's fair enough. Of course, we can be worried about our child. But certainly one of the things that we need to remember is that often diagnosis is really different or often diagnosis is really difficult in kids. Unlike adults who can often present with just a clear set of symptoms and you get labelled, right, you've got blah, 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 itis. There you go. In kids, it can be really different. It can be that they just have these general symptoms And we just need to watch and wait. So sometimes that second opinion, maybe it's better to go and seek it a little bit down the track because often our doctors will want us to watch and wait and see how the illness evolves. Of course, if your child is getting worse, then absolutely you can go and do that. Another example is with my own daughter who had recurrent ear infections and I went and saw an ENT surgeon and he said, yep, She's had multiple ear infections. She's got scarring to both of her eardrums. And I'm like, what? I thought she only had one. Like It was a nasty one. That's why we'd been referred to ENT. Are you really telling me that I've missed all of these ear infections in my child? And so I went, oh, okay, thank you. But I'm not going to schedule her in for surgery today for grommets. Let's just wait. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go and see somebody else because I wanted to confirm what he was saying. I did go and see a second surgeon and he confirmed exactly what the first surgeon had said, but she was quite young and we had uh, not, we just missed the diagnosis because it can be quite difficult in kids. I actually went back to the first surgeon and, and ended up doing surgery with him because I thought he was great, but I was confident in his diagnosis after the second opinion. It's interesting you say that because I didn't think that I'd been in that situation. But when my son Arlo, for the first year of his life, just had a constantly runny nose, we took him to an ENT who suggested that he get his adenoids out. And I remember thinking, oh, well, I want him to be well, but he's so small and I don't know how I feel about putting him in surgery. And although I didn't get a second opinion, I strongly considered it. And we ended up waiting. We waited until, because he also said, you can wait until he's one. And sometimes it's just the first year of life. And But he does have really big adenoids. <laughs> he's fine now. And we never took him into surgery. And I, I'm yes. glad for that. Absolutely. That's right. It is about collecting information. You want to make the best decision that you can. 
So when it comes to second opinions, often it does revolve around surgery, like you were saying with your daughter's ears and my son's nose or adenoids. Um, I remember when he was little that people would say to me, we got our kids adenoids and tonsils out. It's the best thing we ever did. They bounce back so much better when they're young. What do you say to that kind of advice? Because it's very hard hearing that, thinking, trying to do the right thing, not wanting them to go into surgery, thinking, well, will they recover better now? I don't want them to get more sick later. All children are different. That's why it's important to seek advice from medical professionals who, I mean, anecdotally from parents, absolutely, that may have been what was the perfect thing for their child. But all children are different. You need to be able to trust your gut. And, you know, one of the important things to do is remember doctors are human as well. Doctors can miss things. If your gut says something, there's more to something, or if you do want to be able to watch and wait with that non-threatening illness, you know, certainly like with your son's adenoids where the doctor has said, we can do that, that is an option, then I think it's about trusting that you know what's best for your child and your family whilst listening to the medical advice and opinions. And if you go and see two different doctors who give you the same advice, then you're much more likely to be comfortable with following that. If you went and saw three different doctors that have all given you something different, then that's worrying too. But there's also a responsibility on us as parents as well. What we need to do is we need to be able to give a good accurate medical history because if we're telling one story to one doctor and a different story to another of course we're going to end up with different things so what's really important if you are going to seek a second opinion make sure that you have a good accurate medical history about what's been happening to your child and when you're sleep deprived and your child is sick and they've been waking up through the night don't rely on your memory, write everything down so that when you are seeing different doctors for that second opinion, that you're giving that good, accurate history. Just to wrap up, I think the most important thing for me in this interview was getting the language right. Because uh, so often we can be, even though we want the best for our kids, we can be embarrassed if we're going to go about a second opinion. Yes. Um, just to wrap up, could you tell me again how you suggest we approach our doctor if we want to get a second opinion? Absolutely. So, what you want to do is you just want to consider your options for your child. You want to make sure that you are completely confident in the decision that you're making for their health. And to do that, what you'd like to do is seek and understand all the options that are available to you. Which is what you're doing. Sarah, thank you so much for coming in today. My pleasure. That's Sarah Hunstead from CPR Kids. And CPR Kids have stacks more information about first aid and children on their website. Just head to cprkids.com.au. Kids Health is brought to you by 13Sick, National Home Doctor Service. If you or a loved one needs urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 13Sick. That's 137425 for a bog build after hours doctor home visit. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.